Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Grace through my computer screen. Hello. Hello from Oz. I know. I feel very sad that we didn't get a jovial in person send off for the pod as planned. However, Omni I keep calling it Omnicron, which is is not right, I don't think. Yeah, I know nothing about this. New variant? I'm trying to stay in the dark. This naughty new variant has been wrecking havoc, even though I think it seems like it's kind of okay. I mean, touch wood. I feel like you always say this and sound stupid because it's crazy after five minutes. But um, basically, Zach and I uh, hightailed it back to Oz because we were panicked about the new variant. And I think we made the right call. But also because you haven't said that have you told everyone you were going home for christmas anyway uh yeah so we're going to go home on december 16th and then we suddenly changed our flights to come back on monday (laughs) on saturday afternoon so i got a frantic call from grace on saturday afternoon when i was at a boozy brunch and i was like what does this bitch want and she was calling to tell me that (laughs) I would never see her again because she was going to Oz. I was like, I'm going, bye. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, we had all these cute plans for obviously our classic Christmas special, which we're still going to do. You just got to pick which one of us is boozy. One of us is going to be boozy for the Christmas ep and then the opposite person is going to be boozy for the Patreon ep, which we're going to record the next day slash night. So we both get a mm-hmm. turn. But, yeah, and then we met up the next day and it was so funny how relaxed you okay. <laughs> Yeah, I thought someone was coming into the room. What were you doing? Oh, no. Sorry, I just got distracted by a painting. Oh, you literally went like this. <laughs> I was like. 
you about to be No, I just literally thought someone was coming in, so I was, like, stopping talking, but you were staring at a fucking painting. And then, yeah, it was funny because we were laughing because I think both of us handle these stressful situations really well. Like, I prefer to be thrown in the deep end and on a flight within half an hour than than the normal everyday relaxed route, whereas Zach... I don't think feels the same. No, Zach was so frazzled. We had like a good combination in the sense that Zach was really up on the latest Omni. <laughs> he was an early Omnicron, Omnicon adopter yes. where he was across it really quickly and was saying he was worried it was going to affect our travel plans. And I am, yeah, the same where I love the chaos. So I just said, let's just, he was really stressed. And I was like, let's just go. Yeah. I was like, let's go tonight. And he was like, we can't go tonight. I just love. Yeah. That's how I got home last time. So I decided to go Saturday evening and booked a flight for Sunday midday and got the last Emirates flight out of the country. (laughs) It is exciting. It was a bit of fun. We had to get to the airport four hours early because they thought that all the flights would be cancelled. But yeah, it was, it just felt like a very long and arduous journey to get here, but Happy to be back. Yeah. Currently isolating. So nice. On the south coast. It's so nice being with the in-laws because we just get cooked for and like loved. So so nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when it's been so long since you've been with family and it's just so nice to be cared for. Mm, I know. I feel you. But yeah, this variant is quite scary, especially right now in London. Everyone is getting COVID again. So two fr- I was yeah. supposed to see friends on Sunday and I didn't see them because after I was hanging out with you and getting we got our nails done and had a silly afternoon before you went back to Oz. After I was hanging out with mm. you, you know how I was supposed to go to that roast, I didn't go and mm. the two people I was going with both have COVID. So thank God for that. Oh, shit. I know. And then like it's yeah, it's fully just everyone's got it again. Fucking COVID. I know. I don't know how we thought we were off scot-free now. I mean, I, we didn't, but I was like, I didn't expect this new, cute new variant to pop up. There was also these freaking people holding signs at the lights today, these big signs, anti-vax people. And then they started talking to us while we were trying to cross the road to go get a cute falafel pita wrap for lunch. And as we were crossing the road, one of them goes, she was really funny. She was like... She's like, don't get the vaccine. Don't get the vaccine. And then I just started laughing. And then she like looked at my boyfriend. And I was like, God, he's going to like do, I don't even know which way. He's so unpredictable. I was like, I don't know which way this is going to go. He's either going to start like screaming at her or laughing or something. And then she turned to him and she was like, don't get the vaccine. And then I looked at him and he was kind of just like giving her a funny look that I, I couldn't even decipher. So then that kind of like disarmed her. And then she goes, or if you've already had the vaccine, don't get the booster. Like, And then we just look and then we just keep looking at her. And then she goes, because they're trying to kill us. And then we just cross the road. I was like, oh. <laughs> because they're trying to kill. Oh. Just to be in the head of an anti-vaxxer for a day, an hour. Mm. Would be so, I have some very um, um, curious, close friends who are like very publicly anti-vax at the moment. Um, hmm. which is not very cute. Um, Pauline Hansen tried to pass a bill that uh, called like not letting unvaccinated people in 
bars and stuff um discrimination but none of the one nation people could vote for the bill because they weren't allowed in the senate because they were unvaccinated oh my god (laughs) that's so funny so it had like three votes okay and happier news well i have happy news and i have sad news but i'll say the happy news first and that is that we got dua lipa tickets (laughs) if you wanna believe that i'm so excited Yeah, I need to get across her music because, as we've said before, I appreciate her as a human being, and that's why I want to go to her concert. Aesthetically. Aesthetically, yeah. Today, I went into that cute little vintage shop, that really cheap one, where I found those 20-pound leather pants and bought a really cute Mm. silver puffer jacket. My boyfriend said it was ugly and dumb, and then Mm. I found Dua Lipa wearing one and thought, that's all the proof I need. That's such a good feeling. It's like Zoe Kravitz wore that a jacket looks like that suede one I got in Paris the mm. other day. And I was like, God, we're That's good. That's the feeling. Jua, Jua yeah, and Zoe. I went and sat again. outside. We were eating our falafel and I was like, I didn't get it. And I went and ate the falafel first while I considered my options. It was only 30 pounds, but I was just mm. like, I just don't know if I'm ever going to wear this like space suit. And then I went and sat at Falafel, at the Falafel, and he was like, don't get it. It's so bad. It's the puffer jackets. It's just not cool. (laughs) Ra, 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 ra. And then I found Dua Lipa wearing it and stormed back across the road. Right. He just looks up and you're running across and moving traffic. (laughs) Okay. And then the sad news, which isn't Uh. as funny as Mousegate at all or as interesting, and I understand that no one in the world bar cat owners will give two shits about this but i cannot for the life of me think of anything other than the fact that my cat has fleas and i can't get rid of them and i swear to god grace i have done like everything in my power i have washed everything in the house i've done flea bombs i have he's eating flea tablets like every day we washed him in the sink to the point where he was he was like soaking wet with flea shampoo and they just won't go. So if anyone has any goddamn tips, I'm going crazy. What are you going to do about these fleas? Well, any, any, like every single time he has, I find a new one on him. I have to go completely nuts and like strip every bed, strip all of the, the pillowcases on the couch, vacuum the couch, vacuum the carpet, vacuum the floor. It take, took up my entire Friday. <laughs> like my whole Friday I did no work. And then they're back yeah. today. They're back. He's indoor. It makes literally no sense. How big is a flea? Tiny, tiny little fucking thing. How can you see them? It's a little dot. You can't really. You've got to use a flea comb. So I like attack him with this flea comb. Now I have scratches all over my hand. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if anyone has any tips, I know that's not the very, not a very fun thing to talk about, but it's literally all that's occupying my brain because I see him scratch and I like attack him with the comb. I chase him up and down the house. Yeah. When you have a pest in the home, it really does take up a lot of mental space. I still, I'm like traumatized by the mouse. I like see mice on the street all the time when they're not there. <laughs> it probably is your a mouse. Rat came your running mouse at me the other day. Pardon? It probably is your mouse. Where did your mouse go? He just packed his bags and left. He packed his bags and left, and we're in Italy, nary to be seen or heard of again. Um, so I'm not sure where he went, but. The, a huge rat like ran at me on the street a couple of weeks ago. I've blocked it oh out. God. I don't want to talk about it. It was so big. It was like the size of a cat. That's horrible. Disgusting. Um, I um, know. I 
have to tell you that I watched scenes from a marriage on the plane. It was the only thing that I watched. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna say, what did you enjoy? I was very I was just very like Zach's a, a very uh what's the word? Like enthusiastic watcher on the plane where he will, will watch like eight movies or something crazy, but I'm I can't really pay attention. Hmm. I was so hungry for about five hours straight. I was like, are they not going to feed us anything? I, I was going to order, so order some cheese and crackers, but I was too embarrassed. So hungry on the plane, always. I will eat breakfast before I go to the airport. Then I get to the mm-hmm. airport. I had two breakfasts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get to the airport, have a full meal at Pret or something. Like, a, I don't know, half a croissant plus some birch and muesli plus a coffee. And then now I've realized that I have to take a full another meal on the plane. So I'll take chips, mm-hmm. those um like stupid corn thins with the chocolate, water, my own yep. water, everything. Because yep. I just get fucking starving. It's so weird. So hungry. They only fed us twice on a 16-hour flight. And once I realized that, I started to have like a panic attack. Yeah. So I was so hungry and I was so hungry that I couldn't concentrate on the screen and I was so hungry that I couldn't fall asleep and I was just in agony for hours and hours right. and hours. I've had to do that before where I've had to buzz them and just be like, I need food. I know. I was going to ask them for a chicken, uh, sorry, a vegetable calzone, but I just was too embarrassed to yell it over the all the people. Could you buy it though? No, it was there was like a little thing on the screen that said snacks are available, but I was too scared because oh no one else was getting one. And then I was like, "What's wrong with you? Why are you so hungry when no one else on this plane is hungry? No one else is ordering a calzone." Yum, though. I love vegetable calzones. Yeah, me too. Anyway, so I watched scenes from a marriage while I was emaciated, and I really, really liked it. They're just both such good actors; it's crazy. Yeah, they're both such good actors. I actually dropped off that. Um, I, yeah, I watched the first like four episodes and yeah, I wouldn't rush back just because you kind of get where it's going. Yeah. She's also just a horrible bitch to him. She's so heinous. Like as it goes on, she just keeps doing worse and worse things. But at the same time, it's so relatable that I feel like it's very hard to watch as a woman because it's, did you get up to the London bit? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) she's like do you want to move with me and my like boyfriend that I left you for to a new country because I'm getting a pay rise he was like no she's such a bad mother and such a shit wife (laughs) but then also she just got the ick so bad and it's like we've all been there and she wanted to bust that hot like 26 year old or something and when they hook up again and then he like loudly breaks up with the girlfriend I was like don't do that yeah, he's so he's so annoying as well. I know he's just so in love with her, which is like so off-putting to any woman. Once you, <laughs> once the f- switch is flicked, like those stupid that couple uh, from Goop, I can never not think about them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are they called again? I can't remember. Rama. Yes, I can't remember the girl. She's yeah, she's so naughty as she's well. Exactly like Jessica Chastain. She's had an affair for sure. Yeah. Jessica Chastain is so beautiful. I found it quite overwhelming looking at her face. Yeah, I mean, I um, yeah, <laughs> I don't find her that beautiful. She's fine. <laughs> Let's agree to disagree. Yeah. I'm in a very vintage recommendation that people probably have all seen. I'm watching The Staircase for the first time. 
Oh, what a fucking series. I could rewatch that tomorrow yeah. morning and maybe I will because I still just don't know what I think. Yeah. So I, from never having seen it before, but I think I listened to a podcast once or like half of a podcast about it once. So I know various mm. facts and I was just, and my boyfriend was like, thinks he's innocent. But that makes me think he's guilty because he would think he was innocent. <laughs> Always going against Always the going grain. Always going against the grain. So um, I was like, well, then he's clearly guilty. And I just knew these random facts. Like, so this is a case, I'm sure everyone kind of is across it, but a case of a man in America whose wife allegedly fell down the stairs and died. But then the state think that he pushed her down the stairs and murdered her. It's just full of twists and turns. He hires the best team to defend him in the world. I think where I'm up to in episode four, his legal costs were upwards of $800,000. He had this oh huge God. team and he had the same team of experts that they had in the Jean Benet Ramsey case for the Netflix thing. America's so I know. Weird, I was honestly. like, hello again. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it just, it gets so juicy. So I'm only up to episode five, but God knows, because then there's a thing where I was like, he obviously just did it because spoiler, which happens in, oh, I don't know if I should say that in case anyone hasn't seen it. But mm, I think they have. Yeah, so he's having an, well, he's having affairs with men. And in the second episode, the daughter who was completely on his side flips and thinks he murdered her. And then it comes out that um his fucking mate, his old friend, whose two daughters he randomly adopted also fell down the stairs and died 17 years prior in the exact same way. Yeah. And then they exhumed exactly. her body. And I'm at the bit where they say it, the coroners exhumed it and then said it was a homicide. But I think potentially that changes. But I was like, obviously he did it. But then I'm also like, what do you get out of it? Because there was no life insurance and stuff. And that's usually what they kill for. Exactly. It's very weird. It's just a weird case. It's so you like flip flop so much and I just still don't even remember what I decided on. I don't know if you're already across this, but I think you'll be excited to know that a movie's coming out soon and Colin Firth is playing Bad Dad. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. No, I didn't know that. That's very that's like immoral to cast him as someone so hot. Yeah. <laughs> Because everyone's going to be like, well, now I'm even more yeah, confused now he's just definitely than innocent. ever. <laughs> Have you got to the owl stuff yet where they like think it was an owl? No, but I remember when I listened to a podcast. Yeah, that's what I was thinking before. I was like, I, I definitely listened to a podcast, but there was something about an owl, which I haven't seen That yet. doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> I was like, maybe the owl did it. And now I'm like, how would an owl kill a woman and not leave a single feather at the crime scene? And also that he wouldn't have heard that happen if he was chilling at the pool with his vino like he says he was. I can't think of a worse way to die than via owl. <laughs> I would literally. By owl, so I know. Upset. I hate birds. I'm so scared of birds. Yeah. So one thing that we have seen together that I would say quite... That feels like years and years ago, don't you Years think? ago. Has it come out in Oz yet or no? Is House of Gucci. I don't think it has House of Gucci. Because I was about to say, I'm sure everyone else has seen it too, but not if it's not out yet. Um, 
I can't tell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, we saw House of Gucci at the cinemas Gucci. last Friday night. Father, son, and the House of Gucci. Oh. The more I think about it, the more I'm like embarrassed for Gaga that she has been going on and on about her method acting. Like the fact that she stayed in character for nine months. I'm like, that's so crazy when you think about the performance that was given. Yeah, that's it's which so... was good, but was just it was just competent. Like the fact that she stayed in that voice afterwards was completely unnecessary. Imagine her boyfriend just being like, "Hey, Stephanie, do you want a coffee this morning?" And she's like, "No, <laughs> yes." <laughs> So, yeah, House of Gucci, Gucci, it was the movie that we've talked about before on the podcast based around the murder of Maurizio Gucci Giallo. by his ex-wife. What's her name? Patrizia Reggiani. Reggiani, yeah. So they had met and gotten married and Maurizio's dad had completely sniffed her out as being a bit of a gold digger and had cut him <laughs> off from the fortune if he married her. He married her anyway. She managed to weasel them back in with the uncle, back into the Gucci good graces. And then they went and lived the high life in New York and were together for a bunch of years. And then finally he left her. And the woman he left her for, I was so happily surprised to see, was the lead actress from Call My Agent, Camille Cotton, French actress, so hot. So beautiful. And then I have a real thing for like women with that face. Yes. The like statement nose. Yeah. So gorge. And then um Patrizia didn't take it very well. So she alongside a what was it, psychic that she'd met a TV, a TV psychic. psychic that she'd met, played by Selma Hayek, organized for the murder of her ex husband. And then went to jail for twenty seven years. So it's a crazy story. But I still don't think the film needed to be two hours and 37 minutes long. Far too long, as evidenced by the fact that I fell asleep. <laughs> That's the Again, second I'm movie. 100 years old. <laughs> when you What's fell asleep, I like, I like glanced at you and then it made me feel, I felt like embarrassed about how old we were. <laughs> like I was like, God, we're old. <laughs> but then I was so sleepy. We're so old. I was like, was keep really, your eyes open, like, Isabel. It wasn't boring. It was just, it was kind maybe it was kind of boring. Well, I mean, I, I don't blame you for falling asleep in Spencer. Yeah, these movies have to be more. Snappy. For you know. these old audiences. Um, but, yeah, well, I mean, what did you think? You saw the whole thing. I missed quite an essential 20-minute period. I woke up and he was being shot and I was like, what's happened? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you actually didn't miss all that much, basically. He left her for Camille and then it showed them kind of in an apartment together and then it showed her just going and organizing with Selma Hayek for two hitmen. Like it was quite – it showed her having a bit of a breakdown. But, yeah, I I found it – I thought it was actually going to be more camp than it was, even though it was quite camp. Mm. Um, I found it interesting. I think Adam Brody was amazing. I think Lady Gaga was amazing. (laughs) Adam Driver. Oh, Adam (laughs) – why am I saying Adam Brody? It's <laughs> so random. I'm now imagining Adam Brody in it. Adam Driver was amazing. I think Lady Gaga was amazing. I didn't even know it was Jared Leto playing. He is. Full I know we talked about it the next day. And you, your face was so funny. You were just like had a furrowed brow, and you were like, "What?" Yeah, I was like, "Where? <laughs> when?" <laughs> so yeah, I think the actors were really good. But as I read in a piece 
talking about the movie, I think it was a New Yorker review. There was, oh, no, actually, it might have even been Tom Ford's EML Weekly piece. Someone pointed out that the amount of incredible actors that they cast in this role, like they jam-packed it full of this incredible cast, that that's kind of why the movie felt so long because it felt like Ridley Scott was giving every actor this kind of free-for-all to just go wild and like their lines and giving them so much time on screen and Jared Leto and Al Pacino and and then it kind of felt as though because there were so many actors to fit in the story was almost too broad and if they'd just narrowed it down to being so much more about Lady Gaga and Adam Driver and how the marriage broke down and what happened it would be a much better film and also shorter so maybe you wouldn't have fallen asleep. I completely agree with that. I think that Jared Leto was absolutely amazing and as he always is, but when he's in something, there's such a kind of annoying wink, wink, nudge, nudge of I'm Jared Leto and I'm doing such an amazing performance. You can't tell it's me. I'm like, it's almost become, I don't know if the word is formulaic, but it just, it feels like acting for acting's sake or acting for a critical review's sake or acting for the Oscar nomination's sake versus necessarily adding to the story that much like his character could have not been in the film really at all and it wouldn't have impacted the story or he could have had you know a third of the screen time and just been a total throwaway character it was like exactly that character was bulked out purely so you could see him acting in a prosthetic exactly i found parts of it so funny so i find it so funny how it shows Patrizia hearing the Gucci name in the club and then instantly trying to hunt down Adam Driver, start stalking him until they bump into each other. He is so fucking hot in it, especially at the start when he's all shy and he's on a bike. It's just mm-hmm. very, very good. He is so fucking hot. And because he usually has kind of dangerous, chaotic energy, it made him so much hotter to see him shy and sweet and nervous. Exactly. Yeah, I think it was... I think it was just like a fine film, as we've both said. Yeah. But I found an acceptable Tom film. Ford's EML Weekly article about it so funny. So I haven't read this. Tell oh, me. okay. So Tom Ford obviously was the designer that came into Gucci. He came in four years before Maurizio got murdered. So he worked with him for four years and then he kind of turned Gucci around and made it this really sexy fashion house and his collection still to date are like the most coveted and basically but also Tom Ford is just such a funny human being and he wrote this email weekly thing and it starts I recently survived a screening of the two hour and 37 minute film that is House of Gucci and then he's like the film is dot 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 well I'm still not quite sure what it is exactly but somehow I felt as though I'd lived through a hurricane when I left the theater was it a farce or a gripping tale of greed I often laughed out loud, but was I supposed to? And then he was like, Lady Gaga's accent sometimes migrates from Milan to Moscow, but who cares? <laughs> like he talk he basically says that it's that the film was bad, but then says that the actors in it were good. That's true. It didn't have like a very consistent tone. Yeah. Like you say. It wasn't fun and over the top and campy and ridiculous, and then it wasn't yeah, it kind of meandered a bit. Oh, yeah. So, he's, well done, so he Ford. says this. Because of the size and star power of the cast, the screenplay is at the mercy of serving them. One feels that some roles were expanded to simply attract and then to placate the stars. As the running time ticks by, viewers are subject to pointless and sometimes confusing scenes that seem to exist solely for the purpose of allowing the leading actors to act. 
And he also says mm. Maurizio was much more interesting in life than his depiction in the film suggests. He could be incredibly charming and surprisingly sexy if you caught him when he was relaxed. And I was like, excuse me, Tom, but Adam is sexy as fuck. And then he said this, which is so <laughs> funny and random and like the most unnecessary point ever. It's not the staircase. We don't need to know this. He goes, he was straight as far as I know, but would spend hours in the afternoons locked in his office with a with his decorator and often disappeared for weeks at a time on a boat with the man. Oh, okay, Tom uh, Ford. What? That's putting in some juicy I know. tidbits. I was like, where did this even come from? And what is this? What do we- Tom Ford's like, this movie was boring and also Maurizio's yeah. gay. Bye. <laughs> um, and then he said, the casting of Hayek is particularly inspired given that her husband, as we've talked about before, is the current owner of Gucci, a fact which will be lost on mainstream audience. And then it's funny because I was like, the Gucci family have since come out in the past couple of days and released a huge statements slamming the movie. They're considering suing, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I keep forgetting that the Gucci, even though I know that the Gucci family now has nothing to do with Gucci so the fact that the cast are wearing Gucci on the red carpet is because the company that now owns Gucci is behind mm. the movie, hence Selma Hayek being involved. But the Gucci family, who started the brand, now have no control over the fact that the stars of the movie that they hate are wearing their label. <laughs> I'm like, that's sad. Jade. Yeah, it is sad. I wonder what they take issue with. I remember there was it was pretty funny when the stills came out. Someone said that Al Pacino was too ugly to play his character, yeah. which is so yeah. mean because he's not. But yeah, I wonder what they took issue with specifically. I think they take issue with the fact that, which is true, like that literally one of them, the uncle was evading taxes and things like that. I think they just take issue with the way the family's portrayed oh, as being right. just like messy and sure kind of running gucci into the ground and all over the show and jared leto's character i don't know just they've they've got issues <laughs> with it i want to know what patrizia thinks i know i want to get patrizia on the pod imagine she'd probably come on we need a translator she probably would she's she's walking around with a big old bird speaking of birds yeah, a big parrot. She's yeah, she's so random. And she had a pet ferret in prison. I was reading. Really? She was allowed it for some reason. Funny that you're allowed pets in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Her lawyer rallied for her to get one, and they somehow agreed. And she had a ferret the whole time she was in jail. Oh my god, I would so get my lawyer to do that. Yeah, something to think about. <laughs> you ever behind bars? <laughs> a ferret. <laughs> okay. I used to love ferrets. Did you? I'm not a fan. I loved them. I think at one point, oh, no, it was a meerkat. I loved meerkats. Yeah, they're cute. I don't think I would want a ferret. It's like a long rat. I would want anything, if I, any animal if I was in prison. I'd take a flea. me and my pet flea you can have a mouse (laughs) oh my god hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. On to some very sad news. I actually felt quite rattled by this for like a couple of days. Yeah, it's very shocking. Virgil Abloh dying. So he's obviously the very famous fashion designer behind Off-White and he was the creative director of Louis Vuitton menswear. Collaborated with Kanye and has been probably one of the most influential designers of the last 10 years. And he died of a very rare cancer, age 41, over the weekend, or it was announced over the weekend, and he had been sick for two years, but they had not told anyone that he was sick. So it came as like a complete shock to the industry. And I think it's just someone being that full of potential and at the top of their game. And he was someone who was so everywhere that he just seemed so <laughs> alive. I know that's a weird thing to say, but I think it just felt very rattling. Yeah. To see that out of nowhere. It's also his age. Like, that really shocked me. When I screenshot it, I sent it immediately to you and my boyfriend. And he was just replied and was like, wait, how old is he? And I was like, really young, like late 30s or, or early 40s at most. And then, mm. yeah, I think that, yeah. And, and as you say, I haven't even thought about that point. But the fact that he was, he's not only everywhere, but he was also such a smiley figure mm-hmm. that was always really loud and bubbly and and really joyful and really kind of a huge person in the room and always really positive and bubbly and he's kind of been like famed as one of those people in fashion that kind of proved that you don't have to have that bitchy exterior to succeed or that kind of exclusionary mm. manner I think he was always just known as this kind of person who would let anyone in and be really kind like I remember when I moved to the states for three months and I moved in with a girl and I was like wait why does Virgil follow you on Instagram and she was just like oh I interned for him and Kanye years ago in Chicago and he has kept in touch with me ever since and like always checks in to make sure how I'm to see how I'm going and that I'm successful and blah 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 that's crazy. And that just seems like since he died, obviously everything everyone was posting, it seems like he was that to so many people. Yeah, 100%. I think the earnestness thing and the how passionate he was, I was such a huge – it was a huge part of why people loved him and then I think it was a huge part of why people found him divisive. Doreen St. Felix wrote this really fantastic piece uh, for The New Yorker after his death and she wrote, his presence caused or forced the fashion industry to accept the values it has dismissed as unserious, earnestness, excitement, credulity and love. So it was basically this idea that fashion is always, like you say, 
icy, too cool, detached, you can't care too much, you can't be smiley, you can't bring your friends with you, you can't be excited to be there, you can't be thrilled about everything you're doing, you can't take risks and risk failure and kind of put yourself out there in the way that he did. And I think that some of the reasons that people found it easy to criticize him when he was alive was because he was so open and in people's faces about how excited he Mm. was to be in fashion and that like put people off which I think is a really amazing legacy Mm. it's so funny and that's so fucking true with the way the industry is it's funny because he could get away with doing that more than like most can but even still that was why people dismissed him but then he can get away with it because he will prove them wrong it with his success and things like that but just being someone like you're me. I've, I'm always really excited and keen and people definitely dismiss me like instantly. And then it's that thing. And that then they realize that, that perhaps you've written for somewhere that they admire and they'll change their mind. It's just so stupid. Yeah. The idea is if you're nice and kind and friendly and chipper, it's because you're, you don't understand yeah. that that's not yeah. cool and therefore you're not worth yeah. like <laughs> talking to. It's so stupid. so stupid. I mean, but. I think that it's really been really interesting thinking about what his legacy is because I do think he was someone that was like really misunderstood for a lot of the time he was working. He was kind of a victim with Off-White. He, you know, he's he's kind of rightly credited with bringing a certain type of streetwear. He was like a skater and loved that kind of subculture as a kid, um, really early fan of Supreme. And he really wanted to bring that kind of culture into high fashion and off-white. You know, he did it working with Kanye. He was kind of Kanye's right-hand man for a long period of time. Um, And then when he launched off-white, that exploded. And it was suddenly so much everywhere and was getting knocked off so much and was like such a part of the culture overnight that it was almost like he got blamed for how popular it was. It's really similar to what happened with Vetements Mm. where like – it was it struck the right nerve so much that he almost became a victim of how it became so cool so quickly that it became uncool, kind of uncool yeah. just as quickly. That's so interesting. And I think that a lot of the stuff that he did that people started to find kind of, I guess, annoying is the fact that he was doing these constant collaborations with like ikea and sunglass hut and all of these places and he was like there was constantly collaborations coming out and it felt like he was in your face all the time and the kind of Haley bieber wedding dress thing of till death do us part or whatever where he would always do those ironic self-referential things in the quotation marks i think people mistook that as him just being cash hungry or just doing whatever he could get his hands on because he just was either greedy or wanted to be everywhere. Whereas I think it seems like to people that really understood him and his character, it was just about being constantly curious and also believing that the world of high fashion should be accessible to everyone. And I think that's a really interesting thing as well that you see with say like a Michael Kors where because there's this effort to democratize fashion and make it accessible to people that normally can't afford it, there's like this disdain for the designer Mm -hmm. (laughs) where people start to dislike it because – fashion runs off this idea that it shouldn't be for everyone and not everyone should be able to access it and you shouldn't be everywhere at all times. Yeah. Um, and now tell and the attitude he had was like kind of like the one doing that successfully at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think he really like paved the way for that. And a lot of the stuff he did was really kind of Andy Warhol esque and he was 
very interested in art and and the history of culture and capitalism and design and architecture and I just think that he's someone where while he was alive he was just very misunderstood there was so much controversy when he was hired at Louis Vuitton like I think people forget that he was the first black creative director of Louis Vuitton and only the third black creative director of a French luxury fashion house but there was so much backlash at the time where people thought it was just false hype and he wasn't a strong enough designer to do it and now there's almost this like revisionist history where everyone's kind of pretending like he wasn't like I was so pissed off when Diet Prada was posting about him because they were so hard on him and so harsh on him yeah I didn't know that I wasn't ever even across that really it was like part of the reason I unfollowed them ages ago because they would I remember they were going off on him when he wasn't hadn't posted something about Black Lives Matter and I was like fuck like he's a black designer (laughs) like who the fuck are you to tell him what he has to do to engage in this political like this political movement like I always found their attitude towards him really bitchy and dismissive and condescending and they were just you know his whole thing was like referencing and playing with taking designs and changing them a tiny bit which is like a real streetwear thing to do and it's like a real street sensibility and they always try to like catch him out and get him cancelled and like they did it constantly and I was so annoyed I was interested to see how they posted about him and then when they posted they were saying you know he was an inspiration to so many and all of this stuff and I was happy to see everyone in the comments was like fuck you guys oh that's so good because someone wrote although I'm a fan of this page considering how much you used to unfairly drag him you're now calling him an inspiration this seems so off to me he was already an inspiration when he was alive too not just now because he sadly passed R.I.P. Virgil. Mm. So, yeah. It just reminds me of how fucking harsh people are on the internet all the time. And then it takes someone dying for people to suddenly come out of the woodwork and say, you're one of the best designers of our time or you were such an inspiration or you were such a kind man. And I'm like, he just used to get so much shit while he was alive and it just feels so wrong. Yeah, I know. It's so crazy, isn't it? I wasn't super across him, to be honest. Like, I always kind of vaguely followed him off wire and then knew he'd moved to Louis Vuitton and I knew there was a bit of people talking shit about him but I've just never been super across his work but it was really interesting to just and like lovely to see the messages from everyone he'd touched in the fashion industry and just how much he'd actually changed and paved the way for so many people and paved the way for young black designers and that he'd always really worked so hard to help his community and the doors he'd opened. And it just reminded me of like a Chadwick Boseman thing, which is also just, it's just like so tragic because it's these, these young men like working so hard to change the system from the inside, just dying so young. Yeah. So his last fashion show was shown last night in Miami. Thousands and thousands of people went to Art Basel in Miami and there were speeches and there was a big, there were fireworks and there was a big sign written in the sky that said Virgil was here. 72 looks were shown from his latest collection along with 10 additional looks representing the best of his work. The late designer's team closed the show with a group bow and visible tears to a standing ovation. It's so sad. Um, and then as the lights went dark, a hot air balloon lifted into the sky with its bright flame while his voice said, life is so short that you can't waste even a day subscribing to what someone thinks you can do versus knowing what you can do. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, so heaps of celebs went. Bella Hadid, who was a good friend, 
Kim Kardashian and Kanye went together. Mm. Rihanna went, ASAP Rocky, Pharrell, etc., etc. So yeah, really sad. Yeah, very sad. Cancer's fucking freaky as shit. I know. Horrible. Okay, last thing we're going to briefly chat about on this ep is a piece that I saw on the Washington Post, which resonated because it was just one of those pieces that you always think about these things, but no one ever kind of voices them or interrogates them properly. And it was just a piece based around like why you always think your friends are mad at you when they're not. And they talked to a bunch of people and also psychologists and also talked about how it's so much worse in the pandemic because obviously you're not face-to-face with people anymore. And in the piece, they're kind of saying that, yeah, the anxiety of suspecting a friend is upset with us is really common, thanks in part to modern communication and how our brains work. But then because of the pandemic, friends were apart for so long and it's kind of exasperated the issue where heaps of people are losing their friends now and like friendships have just completely changed, which I fully get because friendship is one of those weird things where, as they kind of said in the piece, with each friend or each friendship, you sort of have a different way of communicating or a different way of, mm. so with some some of my best friends, we won't talk for months at a time. Whereas with me and you, if we went three days without talking, we would think there was something yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just kind of interesting. And they also talked in the piece about attachment styles, which I don't know if we've talked about this on the pod really before, because I only found out about attachment styles earlier this year. Mm. so there's yeah the secure anxious or avoidant or you can be a mix you can be anxious avoidant and usually this is referred to when you're talking about a relationship and i learned about it over a boozy easter brunch yes and then bought a book about it actually i kind of remember what it's called social intelligence which i'm halfway through reading which is really good it talks about how if you have a different attachment style to a friend it can be really hard to make it work unless you fully like figure out the way you both work it's like similar to love languages how in a friendship you just you just never foster these things that you would in a relationship whereas in a relationship it's always so much easier because you can kind of have it out and scream at each other and then get over it and like say how you feel but in friendships and with family we always just tiptoe around each other and that's why I think families so often have these breakdowns where you'll actually go like years without talking to family members and years without talking to friends because we just don't know how to communicate properly. I totally agree. I think the friendship thing is so funny because if anything, we should be better at fostering our friendships and our romantic relationships because they actually can be or are lifelong. Mm -hmm. And yet so many of us have, yeah, like especially if you have, you know, two friends who are avoidant, which I think maybe it tends to be the case more with friends. Like you're more likely to be friends with people that are kind of have similar conflict styles to Mm. you maybe. But I feel like so many of us have situations where there are people that we don't talk to anymore or don't hang out with anymore that we would probably like to over really small conflicts that could have been really easily fixed if you'd have been better at communicating with each other. Yeah. I think about that a lot. I'm like one of my really good friends. We, 
didn't talk for like years and then I remember one night getting drunk and talking about it and it ended up being like the stupidest things that we'd been pissed off with each other about because it had been when we were 21 or something and instead of just tackling it at the time and talking about it we'd both just been avoidant and then had not touched it and then it hadn't even festered it was like we just hadn't revisited it for so yeah, long yeah but then it's also like so things, much time can go things just get weird after when it's been so long and you just don't mm. end up yeah speaking again I know it's so funny isn't it I think women the way we communicate it is so obvious when we're pissed off at each other and a lot of the time it's these small kind of subtle ways of showing that we're annoyed like even in work emails I remember all the time I'd be emailing someone someone in my team and then they would just email back really short snappy replies and you're like oh I've somehow done something to Mm -hmm. piss this person off yeah, and the thing that's so hard is that you're not even reading into it because it's like women do communicate yeah. in that way. I wish we could just adopt a completely emotionless approach to messaging each other, but then it's like the way that women do talk to each other in that cute, lovey way, it is how your friendships foster with people, like through work and stuff, mm. being cute to each other is how you make friends with colleagues and stuff, so you kind of just have to navigate it. The pandemic thing is interesting as well because – is like that thing where I hadn't thought about it until reading this piece, but there is that thing where there are people that you maybe normally would have seen or caught up with that you, for whatever reason, didn't have the bandwidth to catch up with during the pandemic. And now it's been two and a half years and you kind of, like me coming back to Australia, I'm like, well, who am I actually going to, especially because I'm not really on social media anymore. I'm like, who am I going to make the effort to reach out and see and talk to? Like, who am I actually still friends with? Mm. Is the fact that I haven't spoken to someone since I left a sign that, we aren't really friends or is it just the pandemic was so chaotic and we actually are and it's it's like you just don't I know I, I think know. that all the time but then I also feel stressed about that notion because I am such a like I think my thing is always that I've got a lot of friends because I'll make friends really easily and like, I, I really enjoy mm. being out and about and meeting people and then I'll meet someone and then I'll want to foster that friendship but then I spread myself so thin that I don't have time and or kind of like even just being on the other side of the world I literally have the energy to speak to like my mom my sister Mm -hmm. and then maybe another one friend a week yeah or max or whatever and then it's just like you just haven't spoken to so many of your good friends in so long and it freaks me out because I don't know even just the other day a friend mentioned that I know that one of my friends is getting married and we haven't spent that much time together since uni, but I still consider her like a good friend. And then obviously I'm on the other side of the world. So she hasn't invited me to her wedding because I'm on the other side of the world. But I was just like, oh, are we just not, does she not consider me a close friend anymore? Because I obviously haven't been in her life and she probably has less close friends than I would have. So she would probably think that, do you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just different for different people. And the love language thing is so interesting. I remember talking to a friend about this where, you know, she was like, I find when people cancel plans or don't show up that they're really bad friends. I think that makes them really bad friends. My thing is like, if you say you're going to be somewhere, you're there, it doesn't matter. And like, Jesus, I'm like, to me, (laughs) I would be a terrible friend because I like bail on stuff a lot or I'm like quite unreliable or things come up with work or things. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm really bad with that stuff. But then the way that I show my like love language to my friends because my love language has always been words of affirmation is like sending really nice messages on their birthday or always remembering when things have happened, like achievements have happened or like when they've got 
engaged or something's happened at work or whatever, like taking the time to celebrate it and say really nice things or whatever. And I was just like, it's so funny that people can be thinking that friends are being shit friends to each other because they're just basing what a good friend is entirely on their own definition, which is kind of not fair to project onto other people. But I think people are just doing that constantly without even thinking about it. And then writing off friendships or writing off people just because those styles are different. And I feel like there's a certain kind of person that asserts their definition of what a good friend is really aggressively. (laughs) And they'll be like, okay, you're not because you don't fit like X, Y, and Z. I definitely was like that way more when I was younger. I remember I used to get so upset with my best friend, Ash, because she, I used to want to speak to her all the time. Or I used to think that if I used to think that if we weren't speaking and if we weren't in contact, then she didn't care about us, care about me or something. And I just, I remember I used to get so upset and I would actually call her and like cry. But this is when I was young, but not super young, like maybe like 22 or something. I was just like, oh, why like, why don't you ever make time for me? And I just felt really unnecessary and unneeded. And then as I got older, I was like, oh, we're just different. Like she literally would just be off the grid for like six months of the time and then just pop up and be like, hey. And then now it works completely fine because I'm on the other side of the world and it was her birthday today. And I didn't realize till it was the end of the day for her because I don't even know what the fucking date is. And she didn't care. Yeah. I think Flex Mommy was really good with opening my brain about how to start communicating in friendships and like adopting boundaries and kind of explaining to people. Like I remember she said when she, she, she said something like, I just don't want any more friends. So I basically just cut off. Like (laughs) if I would meet someone and get on with them and they said, do you want to hang out? I'd be like, Oh no, I don't want any more friends. (laughs) Which is so funny, which is obviously like crazy. That's so good. I am so bad because I'm so greedy. But it's it's not even that. It's just she was like if you m- meet someone and you get on with them, you can say to them if they're like are you free to hang out? You can be like, yeah, I am, but I'm really really time poor. I'd love to see you next week, but I literally might not be able to see you again for a few weeks. Or I'm really an insular person. I don't socialize that much, so whatever. You can kind of just explain that to people up front so then they don't feel like confused or upset or then you don't feel exhausted by a friendship because you're constantly people pleasing and pandering to them. Because if you just, if we had more space for open dialogue about this stuff, then we would not misread people's intentions as much. Yeah, I know. And the thing with thinking someone's mad at you as well is it is so self-centering, but then it's, it's really hard not to because it's really hard to think that it's not about you but like also a lot of the time it isn't about it's just I I, that's why I'm so vocal because as you know being someone who's very much in my life 24 7 I'm an emotional person yeah and find it do find it hard to like regulate my emotions if I'm having a bad day and then I worry that I'm taking it out on everyone else so I'll constantly be like I feel moody today to you and you'll be like okay why and I'm just like I don't even know why but just FYI, it's like not you. I'm just in a mood for like who knows what fucking reason, but it's yeah. not a personal thing. And I know that it can come across personal, so I'll always reiterate it. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, you like are really good at doing that because then it doesn't feel like there's you're reading into like, oh, what could it be? Could it be that I did this or did that or whatever? Which is like such a waste of mental brain power. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Let us know, ladies, if you have any stories about healthy friendship communication or something i'm just interested in this yeah me too or if you guys do any chickens or even attachment styles is such an interesting thing Mm. 
if you guys haven't heard of them before, a friend was telling me about them, as I said, at this brunch we were at Easter in regards to relationships. And it was kind of quite life-changing, just the way you approach relationships and the yeah, your attachment style to, to anything. Obviously, it applies to friendships as well. But I had never, ever even thought about it before. And I think it can change per person you're with. I think I'm generally quite a secure person in a relationship because I won't try and run away or mm. avoid situations. Or, you know, if it starts getting too serious, I won't pull the pin or whatever. But I think it can change depending on who you're with. But it's quite interesting. Mm. And this book, Social Intelligence, is really good on the topic. Nice. Cute. Okay. Cute. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.